Hey everyone, Jackson Heyman here with a massive thank you to everyone who listened and supported the podcast during our first experiment with weekly releases. While we will be going back to bi-weekly episodes in June, X month will absolutely be back in 2023 for more mutant masterpieces. We will also be taking June 2nd off from releasing episodes so I can take a well-deserved break and give ourselves enough time to work on the return of Soundbite Theater and a very special new project coming soon. So keep an eye out on our social media for that. And as we say multiple times in this episode, we recorded in a storage unit, so apologies for the audio quality. Enjoy the show! accidentally opened my eyes when they had no protective covering. I live in a perpetual fear of such a moment. <laughs> Man, fuck Cyclops. Oh my god. Um, welcome everyone to Recommended Reading with Jackson Heyman, coming to you live from a storage unit. That That's all I can really describe this. Shout out to Northeast Minneapolis. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, welcome to some weird audio issues. Um, I can only describe this space as, um, unfinished wooden walls to my left and right, linoleum tile floors to my under me. We have set up a folding table. My microphone is in a glass jar. I'm counting eight padlocks <laughs> literally surrounding us. Welcome to X-Month and the final episode of X-Month, and joining me is a dear friend of mine who got me into this storage unit to record. That's <laughs> Charlie Couture. Um, yeah. We should get, I need a soundboard. <laughs> I think it could, like, I don't know, it could escalate really I, quickly. <laughs> yeah, I... It's just too much fun. I think... I don't know, the, if I could just be a morning zoo, like, drive time radio host with a soundboard and just talk about the X-Men the entire time, it would be so good. What would be your sound? Like, if they had a t-shirt and it was, like, memeing on your sound that you, like, overuse, what would it, what would it be? I, does, does Hugh, does Hugh Jackman ever say bub in the movies? I, I feel like it like once or twice. I think he I, so. So I think it's a sound sound clip of Hugh saying "bud" or or wait no 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 he there's that bit in first class where oh, yeah, Magneto like, fuck off. Where, yeah where Magneto and Xavier is like hey we need your help and he's like fuck off 
Yeah, that yeah. would that would be my sound. I would. That's kind of the best Wolverine moment. Like not even him in one of his own movies, but like just the extreme. <laughs> you just got. Yeah, welcome, welcome to uh, playing audio live on the yeah, podcast. I should, I should probably stop. Yeah. <laughs> He's like. Yeah. Excuse me, I'm Eric Lynch. Go fuck yourself. That's right, he's go fuck yourself. Uh, yeah, I'm stuck in succession mode. Who would you cast Brian Cox in X-Men if there was another chance? Because he's in X-Men, right? He is? Or he's in... Um... Hold on. Oh, shit. Sorry? I said something unfounded. Mm, fact check? Um, Brian Cox... X-Men. Yeah, he plays Stryker in X2. I was li I was literally about to say he would be my Stryker, but um That's funny. I th think that already happened. That movie is playing on FX right now if you haven't seen it. Universally, X2 is always <laughs> playing on FX. I think the F the FX not to go off on a tangent about FX and the FX networks, you're always going to get Simpsons sequels or or, see, or, like, sequels to action movies. T2. A lot of T2. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, 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 like when, it's like when sci-fi used to air, like, old, old Star Trek TNG. Yeah, yep. We used to have... It was, like, FX was channel 48, and then um, sci-fi was 49, and Comedy Central was 50. Yes, that... Okay, that was, that was the same way my cable... But then E was 51? Yeah. With, but that was the... You had to go through hell to get to Disney Channel on 53. Yes, and then Nickelodeon... 54, Cartoon Network 55. 55. Oh, but then after that it was Ballers, like, because Discovery Channel is 59. Yeah. And then it was... Um, History Channel was either 60 or 61. <laughs> And then it was Spike on uh, 50 or on uh, 62. And MTV, I think, was 61. Yes. So, like, it, those were all just like the trashy grow up network, but then also Mythbusters. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, God, thank you Jesus. for. Um, thank you for listening to us um, talk about Minnesota cable and the, and the intricacies of. Having cable in the suburbs in the 2000s. Yeah, that was a good time. Um, before we actually get started talking about the X-Men, I just want to get something on record here because we are pre-recording these way in advance. And this will be the last episode to come out in May. And possibly by then, I want, I just, I, this will, this issue will already be settled. But I just wanted to talk to you about this. Did you hear about this well, because last year DC did this, this DC Round Robin tournament or whatever it was. Yeah, March Madness type yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was a March Madness thing of, like, which of these story premises will get a, like, six-issue miniseries. Okay. And they did it again this year. Because I was so confused. I forgot the premise, and I was like, I don't think I've heard of any of these. Yeah. Jackson, like, knows so much more than me. I was like, holy fuck, well, I've never heard of this. So the th so I sent you this bracket, and I wanted to be, I just wanted to be like, hey, first off, full disclaimer, this is a bad way to, like, run com run a comics company and, like, yeah. make these smaller titles fight for, like, the chance to get published. Because even, like, this year and last year especially, like, there are... There were books that I was like, oh, I would read all of these way more than whatever DC is currently publishing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, they've had controversial votes 
for things before. Yeah. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> they, I, I don't know, like DC just like, I, I thought they really had it together around New 52 era, but that's also like classic when we were coming up in comics. But then like Marvel was recycling every time they had like a new writer on, they would just start at number one. Yeah. So it was a little bit easier to like distinguish and it was probably easier to sell trades because they would just get canceled right away. Yeah. You get a single story. So like they probably were all contracts and then they became like one-off or alternate earth versions. Yeah by accident but mm-hmm. like you might like i don't know i feel like in dc they do that pretty constantly you dc you can get like a two like you can get maybe 14 issues with like a writer artist duo most of the time and then like you do have people like scott snyder and greg capullo last episode that we did together um who like they're like lifetimers but like those don't come along super often unless you're in like I don't, I don't want to say second tier, but if you're, like, in, like, whatever Dark Horse or you're in, like, Image and you, like, have more leeway, especially since DC absorbed Vertigo oh my. back into itself in some weird... And also Wildstorm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, if we were to record an episode about Doomsday Clock or something, <laughs> we would both have to get really fucked up. I think that would be the only way. We... Well, so I've been thinking about, like... I've This has come up before, like... Maybe I'll do a show about bad comics because yeah, yeah, Doomsday Clock is a bad comic. <laughs> um, but like there are like some good titles right now with DC. Like I've been, I've been hyped about this Nightwing series that's been going on that I've been like reading regularly, yeah. and there's some good stuff coming out of like the Black Label, which is like their replacement Vertigo or whatever. Definitely, and like I don't know, they just brought like the Vertigo attitude towards mainstay characters. And, like, besides the controversial, like, Batman schlong, like, (laughs) that comic was actually really good. Um, Batman Damned was really great. I have have not read Damned. I just know... It's better than the new Frank Miller stuff. Oh, my God. Anything's better than the new Frank Miller stuff. Yikes. Uh, Man had the balls to name his comic Dark Knight the Master Race. Um, but... Real ginger. (laughs) But, but with this bracket, like, it sucks that, like, all of these... Because there's some great, like, B or C list characters that are, like, yeah. having to fight for their lives. And I just want to, like... I'm going to read these titles for you. And if you have... If you want to hear, like, the log lines that released, please let me know. Um, first up, in the first seed, it's Hawkman and Hawkwoman, the Changeling versus Wildcat, Nine Lives. Now, the Wildcat one, I want that to be published I'm regardless. down, and I know we have the same reason we like Wildcat, which is probably Batman, the Brave, and the Bold. Yes. So, like, I'm down. But but it's like, it's the, this one is like described as like Ted Grant at the end of his life. Yeah. So, like, it's him just being like, how, how fearless would you be if you knew it was your last round in the ring? And I'm just like, oh, fucking Wildcat's awesome. And then in the next, in in the next like bracket, the one I, again I would vote for both of these, and I want both of these to exist. Um, the questions in Grand Solution and Constantine and the Demon Vacation from Hell. Now, the questions is it's Renee and Vic, like two of my favorite DC characters of all time, like taking on like an evil ARG is apparently what it is. 
And oh, then yeah. and then vacation from hell, it's John Constantine and Etrigan just <laughs> trying to get back to Liverpool and I'm always down for it. So it's like a buddy it's like a road trip. Yes, it's a road trip with fucking Constantine I and love Etrigan. Etrigan. Etrigan also from Batman Brave and the Bull. Again. And then this next bracket is like the one that I do not care about because it's Suicide Squad Dark up against Justice League Redacted. Now, Justice League Redacted sounds awesome. It's like Green Arrow leading like a Black Ops Justice League. And it's it's Nemesis, Killer Frost, Manhunter, Metamorpho, and Cheshire, which fucking That's nuts. Balls ass awesome team. But Suicide Squad Dark just sounds not fun. It's Yeah, I'm like good with Suicide Squad in it, my life. It's like, an, I'm good for a little bit. It's an occult Suicide Squad, basically, which is cool. But it's being led by Vampire Batman. Holy. Which, you know, the reason the okay. Robins book won last year was because it was like a bat-related title. Yeah, totally. I, I know this Suicide Squad Dark is going to win, but I don't want it to. Yeah. I mean, like, there's other groups you could do Dark. Like, I feel like all the Dark spinoffs have been good. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. It's not, like, as renowned as, like when you're doing, like, Marvel Knights or you're doing, yeah. like, big, like, whatever, Secret Avengers or, like, Thunderbolts-type teams. Like, I don't know. I, it just feels like Suicide Squad has become, like, too consistent for how, like, outrageous and, like, wild it's supposed to be. Yeah. Like, and, like, Doom Patrol is also fantastic. Doom, Doom Patrol is fucking incredible. Um, and then in the next bracket, it's uh, Firestorm in Fourth World Problems. Versus um, Kid Flash, The Speed of Fear. Fire, Firestorm sounds fucking incredible. Like, that... I just want... I think Firestorm is one of those characters that I, like, would be way into if I... If, ha, if he had more, like, series and more things that he was in. And then it's the... This Kid Flash one is the, is the Wallace West Kid Flash, so, like, the New 52. Yeah. Yeah. But he's going up against Reverse Flash... And Parallax. Okay. And that's why it's called the Speed of Fear, and that sounds fucking incredible. Yeah, I'm like, oh no, Reverse Flash again. But like, Reverse Flash is cool. Reverse, I like what World they... Needs, yeah. Yeah, and but with Parallax, like, that's bringing back some deep Green Lantern shit that I love. Yeah, that's always a good time, Cosmic. Yeah, and then you have um, Black Canary, When Canaries Cry, versus Green Lantern, The Light at the End of Forever. <laughs> Now, so, Epic. Canary's Cry is, like, it seems like a good, like, Black Canary spy story. Yeah, for which, sure. Like, back to the basics. Which, again, another character that needs way more love in the world. For sure, for sure. Because... And, like, they, I don't know, they kind of did her dirty in um, the Birds of Prey movie, too. Like, she's there. She's there. But it's kind of, like, it's it's pretty, like, dumbed down. Yeah. And then, like, I, I don't know. Uh, and then this green this Green Lantern one is like a post apocalyptic Greenland, but it's like it's like John Stewart is the last of the core, and he's trying to like reignite the light. Nice. Which props on them for not making this a Hal story because <laughs> fuck guys, fuck Hal Jordan. Fuck. Oh my god! Like obviously, like Guy Gardner and like John Stewart 
way better characters. Like, yeah. more interesting, at least. Like, I'm down to just have Hal Jordan as, like, a filler dude in, like, just standard old Gold Star Justice League. But, like, th that's the purpose he served. Like, he's, yeah. like, the group Justice League person. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, I'll, and I know you, like, ride the, you're on the Justice Society train. Anyway. Yeah. I'm, like, a, well, because, like, <laughs> All the green, all the Green Lanterns except Hal are insane. Are cool, like yeah. John and Guy, obviously. Kyle is probably my favorite, like of like the core Lanterns. Yeah, I just hate that his name is Kyle. Yeah, but like whatever. What do you do? Um, but then you've got like newer people like Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz and uh, Sojourner Mullen, who or Mullion, who is like the head of like that Far Sector series. Which oh, is, I never got into that stuff. It's so good. It's incredible. And then in the next bracket, it's um, DC Horror Presents Ghost Tour from Hell versus nice. Animal Man the Metamorphosis. Versus? Well, these, like, going up against, like, oh, the, bra yeah. the brackets. I'm... But so, the Ghost Tour from Hell sounds incredible. Again, because it's Madame Xanadu, yep. Etrigan, and Dead Man. Yeah, I always will take Dead Man too. I was like writing a Batman comic in my head with Dead Man the other day, and I was like, it's just, it's too good. Like, if you're gonna go dark Batman, literally just do ghosts. Yeah. That's sick. Give me Gentleman Ghost. Yes! Exactly. Matt, hey, Matt Reeves, give us Gentleman Ghost. Even if you brought Jonah Hex into it in some, some other way, but like. Josh Brolin is the perfect cast for Jonah Hex. And that movie wasted. was... Yeah, wasted. But this Animal Man series sounds incredible because it's... Yeah. It's... I just... I think Animal Man is one of those characters that, like, gets slept on. He, for sure. And, like, Scott Snyder also had a great Animal Man yes. run that literally people didn't know was happening. And then Morrison also... Morrison's Animal Man... Yes, iconic. Literally one of the best stories of all time. Yeah. And then... These are two that I'm very excited. I was was very excited about when I saw these. Uh, Green Lantern: The Birth of Conspiracy versus Captain Carrot and his best friend Darkseid. That was one that I saw this morning, and I was kind of like dumbfounded. Hey, I'm, I'm here. I think Captain Cat. We are in the Captain Carrot Renaissance. Yes. And then, but but obviously, like you said, I'm a big Justice Society guy, and this Green Lantern is. It's Alan Scott being, like, in the 40s with, like, the Roswell crash, Men in Black, and Flying Saucer stuff. Yup. And that's, like... Classic. Good sci-fi, like, 40s pulpy sci-fi. Pulpy's good. Fucking yeah. incredible. And then the last two are Superboy, the Man of Tomorrow, up against Cyborg, Cyber Gods. <laughs> so the Superboy one, it's a Connor Kent story. So, like, it's... One of those Superboys that, like, I wish I knew a lot more about, yeah. like, because I'm, I'm all in on, like, Rebirth Superboy with, like, John Kent. And, For sure. Like, he's the, he's a, such an interesting character, but, like, Connor's, like, the guy that gets swept under the rug, kind of, you think. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And, like, which sucks, because I think, like, his whole deal about him being, like, a clone of Lex and a clone of Clark is an interesting deal. For sure. I think that would be a great, like, couple movie arc or something if they were to, like, completely redo Superman. Or if they wanted to cast, like, Michael B. Jordan, like they said they did I would. I think it... I think... See. But I think he's gonna be, like, Val Zod or, like, not Cal yeah. Like, he's... 
wild. Um, but then cyber cyber gods. It's cyborg and Beast Boy up against the villains Gliz. Sorry, Gizmo and Clarion the Witch Boy. Gizmo is the. Uh... He's like the a, the hot the hot dog themed villain. Oh, that's good. I was gonna say robot sidekick, but like that's better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but so basically, like those two become technomancers, and then it's it's Vic and Beast Boy, which sick, incredible. Like time, you need a, they need a they need like a buddy book again. Like totally, they are so. F- they're fun characters. And yeah, we need more buddy books. Like I love Tom King, but I don't want to like leave my soul inside of a comic book every time I read. Like, yeah. Like, comic books are getting too good. Like, too... You know what I mean? Comic books are getting, like, too introspective. A24 comic books are sick. Honestly... But, like, holy fuck. Like, Tom King and Jeff Lemire, like, they are the eight... And, like, I love Jeff Lemire, like, way more than I do Tom King. Like, I think there are only... For sure. A couple of things that I really like Tom King that he wrote. Obviously, Mr. Miracle and yeah, um, Batman Elmer Fudd, which by the time this comes out, we have talked about on the podcast, which is an incredible story that he wrote. Um, but like his Batman stuff, I just can't get it. It's like... It's okay. It's, I, like everyone loves War of Jokes and Riddles and like same. Like I think... But like, like I only yeah I read yeah. that all super recently and yeah. I think I just read too much of it all at once and I'm like I don't know it's like, just back to like '90s Batman kind of yeah. but not I, I don't know the only thing of like the Tom King Batman run that I've read is the Gift which is that story where yeah. Booster Gold travels back in time to give Batman a wedding gift which is a world where his parents are alive and everything is shit and yeah. like I. That's just another M. Night Shyamalan-esque. And it's just me, it would be, if I talked about that anymore, it would be me airing my grievances about how much I hate the the treatment of Booster Gold by DC and like the Totally. since like and I 50 know you love Blue Beetle and yeah. you love all of that stuff. Yeah, like, like the, that's in the cheesy world. Those my that is the buddy world. Those yeah. Again, well, they actually, they do have a book right now, uh, Blue and Gold, written by Dan Jurgens, which, great, it's fun. I wish we had more of these books. Yeah. Right? And then Tom King just released some shit about, like, he's doing, like, a new, like, weird, it's called Danger Street or whatever it is. Did you hear about this? It's like... No, I don't think so. It's like, a but it's a bunch of, like, weird Silver Age characters. Um, hold on. Tom King... Tom King. Not Love Everlasting. Oh, Love Everlasting is like his Human Target. Human Target sounds really cool. I've, I never got So to I've, it. I've I've re- I've I've been keeping up with Human Target. Yeah. It's okay. Right. Like like on paper I should love it because it brings back the Justice League International and you know how much I love the Justice League International. Totally. But like it paints them as like the dark side of the JLI. So it's like you see Ted Cord is a drunk. Um, okay. Booster opens a bagel place in a strip mall, which is the best plot point because of your life. <laughs> Shut up. Bagel. How was your name? Jackson Bagel, or it was like <laughs> Jackson Bagels Chat Three or something. Oh or yeah, we had we had some weird group shop. chat of like when I was, <laughs> but um. Talk about danger streets. Yeah. <laughs> 
But Danger Street is like old school Starman, Metamorpho, Warlord, and Doctor Fate. Like these other like weirdo characters. Uh, like the uh, like Lady Cop or whatever. Yeah, Lady Cop. Um, I think it was the Dingbats of Danger Street. So it's like a bunch of old Jack Kirby concepts from when he was working at DC. Yeah. Which like I should like it, but. Given Tom King's track record, I don't know if I'm going to like it. But X-Men. Yeah. yeah, it's time to transition into X-Men. How long is that? Uh, we are about 20 minutes in. Hell or 20 yeah. 20-something minutes in. We talked about... Yeah, if you made it through that, if X-Men's easy. You made us, if you made it through us airing our grievances about, about the state of DC Comics and Tom King, um, yeah, X-Men will be great. So this is the last episode of X-Month, and we have covered some of the big firsts throughout this. We covered the first appearance of the X-Men, we covered the first appearance of the Brotherhood, we covered the first appearance of the Juggernaut, and now... Bitch. (laughs) I was waiting for that all day. You know who I am. Oh, God, fuck X-Men, the last stand. Fuck, I mean... I'm trying not, I'm trying not to be a hater about, with, like, because I love X-Men just in general, but, like, yeah, Last I Stand. Love Brian Singer and Brett Ratner together. Jeez. Uh, oh my god. Isn't it weird that both like bad X-Men movies, like because like I like the other ones, but like the the third or, or like both bad X-Men, both really bad X-Men movies that tanked their respective franchises yeah. did the Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's wild that it's so hard to adapt. I like parts of the Dark Phoenix movie, for sure. I haven't seen it Holy in crap. forever. Like, oh. I watched part of it, and then I was I saw like, it in theaters by myself. Like, after a work shift one night, it was $5 Tuesday. Me and Greg Marcus, we had a date night together. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was rough. Oh, my, yeah. I was also in the front row, so that was terrible. Is, because, like... I, I think about the end of Apocalypse a lot, where it's, like, that big hero shot of this brand new team, and they're all in cool costumes that are, like, comic accurate, and then they barely did anything with that, and that makes me sad. Yeah, I, like, there there's a great sequence in the, the second movie where, like, Gene, they're, like, they're on, like, a street in a small town, Somehow every X-Men movie gets to a small town. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, this one Magneto randomly has a family. And you're like, what the fuck? Oh, that's right. He's like, he's like in a weird Polish town. Yeah, and he, he has like a wife and kids. And he's working as like a metal worker in a factory. Does like, I don't get that shit at all. But, hey, but yeah. Hey, Fastbender. Fastbender was great. Um, yeah, I really, he would be sick to come back. Yeah, he would. now be a... Old, old Magneto. But he's going to start asking for some money, yeah. hopefully. Um, but, because, like, one of my favorite things of, like, X-Men, of, like, those X-Men movies, like, the second wave, because First Class is a phenomenal yeah. movie, I think. Yeah. Like, like, there are some parts that I, that didn't age well, but, like, Kevin Bacon's great, McAvoy and Fassbender, incredible. I don't hate Jennifer Lawrence in it. Like, no. Yeah, she's, she's very good. And then you get to Days of Future Past, which is fun. And I've only seen it in theaters the one time. I I have a lot of fun with it. I think part of it does come from 
casting Peter Dinklage as your main villain. Yeah, it was wild to reread this story <laughs> we're talking about with Trask. And just, like, I there's this line we memed on where Peter Dinklage is just like, nice scuff. Or something like that. God. Just, like, in the back. Or maybe, no, he doesn't have an accent in it because he's from, like, Chicago or yeah, something. Yeah, he's, like, Chicago Peter. And he's like, nice scarf. Nice scarf. <laughs> and... That was like the only thing I took away from the movie, I guess. But is what I'm well, because that it's a fun movie. It is. Yeah, it and is, it, like it's a direct comic book. Like you're like this is a great actual like, not pulpy, but like it it is kind of cheesy. Like it, the apocalyptic stuff is really epic. It has a lot of like it's got the best quicks one of the best quicksilver scenes I think. For sure, like, I forget that that's where that comes in. Like wild that scene. needle draw. I think both quicksilver scenes are incredible. For sure. Um, the Sweet Dreams needle drop, I think, might just push it over the edge for me. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, it's a strong-ass introduction, and, like, it's hard to repeat that every yeah. time. But, like, yeah, Evan, that shit's crazy with the crossovers these days. But um, we'll can find we, out more about hold that. Hold on, we have, to, we have to talk about that, because, like, this is, full disclosure, this is the first time Charlie and I have seen each other in person. Yeah. Since 2019. So we need to talk about WandaVision and Evan Peters showing up in WandaVision. Yeah, if we're on X-Men, I guess, like, it's important to hit it if we're going, like, multiple media. We gotta talk about that. Yeah. Which, like... Ralph Boner? (laughs) I was so mad about the Ralph Boner thing. Yikes. But, like, I think he, he did great. And it's it's obviously not his, like, Quicksilver, because, like... Totally. But but he's very much like, hey, it's me, Long Lost Bro, or... Yeah, like, I, he's just, like, he's so... He's, like, jazzy. He's like, do you like jazz? Like, he's, he's like, like, so slippery. It's a very, like, Sammy Paradise type. Yeah, he's, he's zany, and he's, like, he's kind of a show-off. Like, he's... I mean, that's how he always... Like, Evan Peters. Yeah. He's, Which, I think they... Bring back Evan Peters in something in the MCU. For sure. Like, like another... Like, a buddy show. It'd be great. Yeah. It's, uh, like, Quicksilver and Rocket for some reason. Like, that'd be great. Hey, it's so me, just, Rocket. Yeah. Hey, 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 Rocket. It's, it's me, Pietro. That's kind of what I imagine. But Bradley Cooper, like, I don't know if he wants to make television money... Hey, it's Barbara Streisand. But, like, I feel like television money is pretty close to theater money. Yeah. And, like, he does Broadway and, like, he does side projects. God, that's right. He was in The Elephant Man. Now I'm just... Yeah. Why? Anyway. <laughs> um, the Sentinels. Um, so this is um, the X-Men issues 14, 15, and 16. The three stories we are covering are Among Us Stalk the Sentinels, Prisoners of the Mysterious Master Mold, and The Supreme Sacrifice. Written by Stan Lee, uh, Stan Lee, I said Stan first, um, layouts by Jack Kirby, pencils by Warner Roth, credited as Jay Gavin, um, inks by Dick Ayers and Vince Coletta, and letters by Art Simic, or Simic, I don't know. Um, I didn't do enough research to look up the pronunciation. But this is the, oh, do you, do you have an audio clue? No, okay. I'm, I'm getting my notes together. Yeah. This is the this is the original Sentinel saga. So we get the debut of the Sentinels, who are the mutant hunting robots that come in and will do whatever they can to exterminate the mutant race. 
And then we also get the introduction of the character of Bolivar Trask, the creator of said Sentinels. And it's a, it also includes a detailed origin story for one of the X-Men members, Hank McCoy, a.k.a. The Beast. And yeah, um, it's fun. And it's like, I think it's the first time where like, it's not just like a thread of the week type story. Yeah, because it's an arc. Yeah, I've been reading like a lot of the old X-Men stuff and like each issue, some may like end on a cliffhanger, but each of them do sort of like introduce a new threat or a new scenario that they find themselves in. Yeah, 14 is like so early. And then I even at the end of one of the, either the first or the second issue, there's a thing about how it's like, oh, by the way, we're going to be a monthly comic yeah. starting now. And I was like, was it? Every other month. Yeah, it was good. It was going like bi-monthly, but not like every two weeks. Every it was every other month. That's crazy. And because now it's like, oh, we'll sell one of these two ninety nine issues that we have every week or something. And you're like, oh my god, I don't need like the eighth or ninth like bat universe thing. Or yeah, like, I don't need this like random Justice League tie-in every fucking week. Yeah, like, this is homework. It's. This is crazy, though, thinking, because it's come up a couple of times already. It's it's so weird thinking that the X-Men weren't popular for, like, a couple of years. Or, totally. And, like, because, like, we're in that weird period of time where, like, the, stand, the Lee Kirby stuff where it's, like... Kirby was doing only layouts at this point. Like, he wasn't fully drawing the thing. Yeah. But, but, like, you can still see his influences. Like, he was working on other things at this point. I think he was still doing Fantastic Four. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't I know. I think that's about right. Yeah. This I know is... more, I read more original Fantastic Four, I think, than I've read X-Men. Yeah. But that's because I had a bunch of, like, destroyed yellow original copies of some early Fantastic Four. Oh, my God. But they were, like, destroyed. Like, oh, I yeah. couldn't, like, they were all sharpied on and stuff. They were from a legitimate, like, a library. Oh, then, yeah. And they were like, we don't even want these. <laughs> Um, and I have them, God. or I had them. Yeah, but so, like, because, like, we we sort of get into the point where, like, after a couple of years of, like, Lee and Roy Thomas and other writers coming in, yep. then the X-Men just goes into reprints in the 70s, and then it's not until, like, you get the Ween, Cockrum, Claremont stuff that it actually becomes hugely popular, yeah, because X-Men ran for, like, almost 600 issues. It was, like, 550 yeah. or 570, something like that. Yeah, like, the main uncanny title, which yes. is, yeah, which was this, which be, this became. I so, think. what year is this? This is, I believe... It's up there. Um, oh, my God. No, I can't read it we, we are looking at my, um, we are, we are looking at my paperback, black and white, essential X-Men trade. Uh, hold on. Is it true about this uh, major Moon Knight reveal in the show? Which major Moon Knight reveal? Um, uh, as we we are discussing... Uh, Victor Von Doom reference? Because I... they were like, oh, he's at... He's on the edge of the mountains. It's a Mount European Germany. town. So, yeah. so, full disclosure, again, we are recording this the day Moon Knight drops. Um, I watched it already. I did not call that a Victor Von Doom reference but i guess you could people are antsy they just want latveria they just want the four they just want doom and like i do too but like i'm not gonna be like hey it's an eastern european town that's gotta mean that's latveria right 
It's, yeah, it's, there's a pretty heavy conspiracy world, and I'm kind of sick of it, but, like, yeah. I also buy into it. Like, no. I, I, we're talking about it. Yes. Weird. So, like, something must be working. Like, you interrupt uh, it, and you're like, oh, it's relevant. 1965 is, 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 this is, this is when this was released. So, we are, like, Marvel heyday, like, they have been going strong for a couple of years at this point. Kirby's still, like, around. Kirby hasn't... Like, large and in charge. Yeah, Kirby hasn't, like, gotten angry at Stanley yet and left to DC, left for DC, which, like, you know, all right. So, we get, we get this, like, they are, they are recovering from a battle with the Juggernaut from the previous issue. Yep. And so we sort of just get them all just like struggling to like stay afloat. Beast is in crutches. Um, yeah. Bobby is over here sitting in like an ice cube, just like chilling. Yeah, I, I love the joke with the ice cube exploding. That is like classic X Men. It's so good. Like they're teens. They're teens. You crazy kids. Like get a they, hold of yourself. This is the perfect like. This is back when they were teens. Back when they were kids. Like it was still a school at this point. Even though they're not really like learning anything. Like Beast is like in a little like they all have these masks, which is just genius for the artists. Yeah. Like oh my god. Well, this is finally, like, this This will be one of the first issues we cover where Iceman looks like Iceman, kind of. Yeah. Because I don't know if you've seen what Iceman looked like at the very beginning. He looks like just a mound of snow. Yeah. I love the way that they draw the, like, reflective yeah. like, sheen on him. It's... And, like, it's different than Silver Surfer. Yeah. Like, it's, it's really little touches, but, like, even stuff like that is so fascinating because, like, the classic... I mean, there's a couple different, like, rules, like, pillars of Marvel Comics back at that time, but it's, like... Like, Stan is, like, every comic... Assuming he wrote this. Yeah. Um, but he, it's, a, it's one of his stories, you know? Right. He's like, he's, like, every Spider-Man comic could be someone's first comic book ever. Yeah. So every comic you pick up has to, like, like jump off some, like, really initial exposition. Yeah. And, like, early Marvel has, like, the Stan who's, like, cheating, and he's literally, like, the classic, iconic Stan Lee, like, little notes. Yep. It's, like, oh, my God, it is so golden era. It is, it is definitely, like, you can feel the exposition cheese yeah, in there. Yeah, and, like, here. Vince Coletta is a big deal for me. Um, I, his ink work is crazy. Oh, it's my really God. It's really simple, but, like, there, there's almost no... Um, and this this isn't an inking job, but, like, the, the spreads or, like, lack of spreads, um, Some there's only, like, one at the very beginning of each page yeah, or the, each issue or so, but, like, there are some middle panels where it's, like, a double-wide... Mm -hmm. like center panel and the like the complexity that they're fitting in these little like a specifically there's a shot um my favorite in the whole like set of the three books is um there are these lasers um zipping and he's oh yeah through them with like the words in them as well and just, like, the amount of layering and, like, how simple the concept is. But, like, I don't know. X-Men does have the great, like, fights in comic books. Yeah, and, like, I I think it's one of those those 
books that like will always have an incredible team behind it no matter like what era yeah because like you have this one as well yeah you have kirby and roth and coletta and ayers and sin and simic um and, like they are at their best with the artwork here and then you get to the 70s and 80s and it's Cockrum and Byrne and like yeah yeah you and everything is striking like like I'm gen I, again I have not read every comic in in existence but Same. I'm pretty sure there is like I don't think like George Perez has ever done anything X-Men but like he but I feel like he's the only like artist big name artist that never did right but he would, like, bless X-Men. Yeah. It would be crazy if he did, like, a set before he, like, he passes or something. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because we talked about we talked about the Judas contract a couple of episodes ago. Yes. Which, like, incredible artwork there. But so, the, the main, like, plot line of this with the team is, like, Charles is, like, well, it's time for you, you children to have a vacation. Yeah. And they're all just like, yeah, we, we haven't, we haven't, we've been stuck in this school. Yeah, it's like, it, like, it really is, I don't know, it's not like, it, it is a stereotype X-Men story, but like, it's because it, like, this is forming the stereotype. Yes. Like, it's like one of the first, like, I don't know. I feel like they are, like, really well assembled at this point. Yeah. But it's interesting that it's still at a point where you have to intersperse those origins. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, that's what I still count as, like, new. Because there's still key issues happening probably every week for yeah. some reason or another. Absolutely. Um, up until, like, I don't know. I feel like you hit the 50th issue of any series and then you're done with, like, keys. Oh, absolutely. Unless it's, like, some new writer coming in. Yeah. Coming in, like... Yeah, like, change over key episodes. Yeah. Or key issues. Like, I... And I think, like, with these longer-running series, there might be later issues down the line where, like, people bring in new characters that shift everything we think yep. about care about this comic series. But, like... Yeah, but this is a huge major first because these are the issues that really put the focus finally on the public perception of mutants and especially the X-Men. So, like, we get Trask, who is this scientist and researcher, being like... I, I have a quote from the book. It's like, We've been busy, so busy worrying about cold wars, hot wars, atom bombs, and the like that we've overlooked the greatest menace of them all. Mutants walk among us, hidden, unknown, waiting. And so like... <laughs> it's too good. They're among us. They're, they're, they are amogus. They are sus. Mutants are sus, everyone. Um, Professor Xavier is a sussy baka. Oh, no. Um, but so, like, because we get, like, a panel that's, like, headlines of the mutant menace. We, yeah. we finally start to see, like, it, it's... We, we, we finally get to see, like, the mutants in the public eye. And, like, and especially with, like, it's, this is the first time where, like, the kids go out on the town, like, in street clothes and stuff. Yeah, they like, look really nice. They, they all, like, is this how teens in the 60s dressed? The because... color palette is insane. Um, it's, like, all of these really crazy, like, cool tones that they're dressed in, and then the environments are warm tones, and, um... The hair is, like, so striking um, on, I'm assuming that's Jean. Yeah. With, the with like, the blue vest. Like, it, it's just insane. I, like, it looks like a spy novel it, or something. Like, it straight up looks like early Bond these stuff. These well-to-do squares. 
out on the town. They're, they are all squares. Oh my god, the line about um, when they're at the beat poetry night and the, the woman's like, wow, that's gonna strengthen my libido. Like, that made <laughs> me spit the coffee out. God, it's a very six, like... Different world for comic. Like, comics... Like, this isn't, like, the new Disney Star Wars movies that are, like, sexless with no flirting and no, like, anything forbidden. Like, I don't know. Like, this X-Men feels, like, so unpolished and, like, dirty. Yeah. But it's also so commercial. Yeah, it's, you know... Like, well, this is a comic book. Yeah, they do, they do, like... Everyone sort of says like it's why it's not until like Claremont comes in yeah. when it gets super soap opery with all that romance and stuff. But here you get like a sixties teen horniness. Like yes, like this is something that's come up on literally every X Men X Month episode we've <laughs> talked. Is it really? There is so much like hitting on jeans specifically and yeah, like and, and like, like back in the day a young maiden would faint all the time or yeah something. and like and oh. the, like hank scott and warren are fucking girl crazy throughout this entire like early run yeah they're weird um, wild but <laughs> <laughs> then you get like a detail of like a scott warren gene love triangle here where it's like right. where it's like oh Gene, do you need a ride to the airport? I'll drive you. And Scott, you can just stay here and be lonely. Oh my god. Yeah, like, I I don't know. They're, they're like, this is my night off, man. But then they're also like, don't be such a square. Like, they're, they're like, you should go out, but be careful. Yeah. So, like, you... Don't leave campus. <laughs> you, get, you get a lot of, like, the mutant menace stuff. And you... My favorite little, my favorite detail of the first issue here is like when when Xavier sees stuff about like the mutant menace and what Trask is saying in the papers. Um, yeah. He then straight up calls the TV station just to be like, "Hey, I'm gonna debate you on live television." There, there is a certain amount of like, I don't know. There, there's like luxury. Like it just feels like a. Like, I hate to say it feels like a different time, but, yeah. like, it's so, like, it's so natural feeling. Like, it doesn't feel, like, assembled at this point. Yeah. Which, like, you know, they talk about the Marvel method, and they talk about, like, Stan's tenants. Like, every issue is a, could be a first issue. Mm -hmm. um, some people don't even look at the art, so you have to explain what they're, what's going on. Right. All the time. Like, yeah. in the text, you could just read it as, like, a radio script. Yeah. And it would still, like, you'd get it. There wouldn't be sound effects. That's... But, like, I don't know. Like, you could, I used to read something twice where I'd read it once for the text and once for the art when I read comics, but I also, like, now after reading, you know, like, comic book theory and, like, Scott McCloud, like, that kind of work about mm -hmm. how long does a panel take, what is a moment, and you learn more about timing and the process of writing and, like, delivering your vision of, like, timing, and then you get to these X-Men fights, which are so, like, quick and, like, packed, but, like, they're simple enough because yeah. they have so much text in them still. Even if it's like boom, 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 and one page only text you, takes you like 20 seconds to read through, um, they fill it with text, which again, like Marvel method, like they're like, all right, 
Well, we're only gonna draw this much. This is how much I really want to draw right now. Yeah, so it, can you fill this much text? It's the Marvel method of like the art comes first, yeah, and then the scenario. Yeah, and well, because you got it's very much where the artist was pulling so much more of the story at this point. Yeah, like Kirby and and uh, Roth on like layouts and pencils. So much on doing this. For sure. I I also love the things where it's like they don't even try to show movement. Yeah. And they just write, oh, oh no, a whole platform <laughs> shooting laser cannons on thick pistons yeah. shot itself out of the, the mountain hill outcropping. What a sneaky surprise. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I fucking get it. Like, they... There was an action that happened. Next yeah. panel. Yeah. But, but you feel like you're going to miss something. Absolutely. Because it's still like lore building all the time. Yeah. And so we, we get Xavier going up against Trask in like a televised debate. This <laughs> easy access. He's like, I know exactly what to do. Yes. Hey, hello, coward. Debate me on national television. Right. There's a fly that lands on, like, Trask's head, yeah. and then Twitter's like, oh, Trask is such a fucking menace. There, he doesn't even look alive right now. There, oh, there's a fly on him! There's a there's a fly on both of our Trask's heads! Um, but so, I what I think is very interesting is, like, Xavier goes on television, and it's not known to the public yet that he is a mutant. So, right. like, you get people being like... And I didn't know that was a, yeah. a storyline at all. So, like... Thank God I got some education yeah. this week also. Yeah, and I love God Loves uh, Man Kills. God Loves Man Kills. I love, kills. like, all the class. I do love Days of Future Past. I used to have signed copies from when we met um, Name Drop of the Week. Oh, yeah. We met Chris Claremont We met Cl Chris Claremont. In 2015. And the more I think about that when we met him, the more, what? like, I... And, like, the more I, like, read about the shit that he says now... Yeah. Like, the more I, like, oh, we had a conversation with... A brilliant writer, but also a crazy person. Yeah, he's just... Well, he's been in the business so long. Yeah. But, like, he doesn't even know the... Like, what life is like. I think I, he's just, like, trapped in that age. I, but, like... I remember... I do value our time with him. Yeah. This has come up once... Another, one other time on oh, the really? podcast. But, um... He... I don't remember if you remembered his story about, like, when he was James brought... Cameron. Yes, the James Cameron yeah, story. Yeah, and now that's, like big news again and i'm like i've known this forever he I'm told inside he told us this in person when we were at, at, at a con at a con when we were like 15 16 harper was also there right yes yeah, so, yes what's really weird is that like i i don't think harper remembers that day at all i think he blocked it out because of what happened with um kevin smith oh yeah <laughs> it's so funny um but yeah, Chris Claremont, like, talked to us for, like, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes? I think it was, like, 15, yeah, 20. Yeah, like, like, we were, it was, like, end was of the, else there. it was end of the day at the con, too, so it was, like, we were, like, oh, we should probably go soon, but, On like, Friday. he yeah. is, he is a, he is an old man just wanting to talk to people, and, like. I had my loose, ungraded copies of original prints, um, Days of Future Past, I think it's 41 yeah, you, and 42. You, you had them. 52. I remember you had them in a briefcase. I had a briefcase that was a backgammon board, a traveling backgammon board that I hollowed out and put foam padding, um, 
what's the word? Closed loop foam? The stuff you make cosplay armor out yes. of. Yes. Like yoga mat, the puzzle pieces with little kids. Um, those like big neon colors. I like made padding inside and then I had my two copies and I got them signed. And then he told us about fan fiction or like head canon? Yeah. About um, Doctor Who and like River. Yes. Oh my god. In X Men portals with Kitty Pryde. That's right. And they were hopping on these like floating like rocks inside of some like portal space nowhere and they like saw each other through the ends of the I... portal. It was like crazy. And like that, we were like jaws on the floor and he's like, let me tell you something else. There used to be this little independent Spider Man movie that I was gonna work on. We had a couple table talks. And also, this is all in a British accent. Yes. But, um, <laughs> and I think we were both taller than him. But yes. He might have been sitting down. I too. think he was sitting down. But, like, he's like a little, he's a little guy. And, um, he, he was telling us about the James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow, Bigelow. Spider-Man movie. And Leo was going to be Spider-Man, is what I think. Because Leo and uh, Tobey Maguire go way, way back. Yeah. Anyway. And I just, well, because I, because I, you had your briefcase of like original issues, and I, I think had, you had a trade. Right? I had a trade that I. I gave those comics to a very, very good friend of mine who like grew up with X Men. Yeah. She's my roommate, um, Anna, Anna Lucia, and um, she, yeah, I, I gave them to her as a moving in present because we moved in together at the very beginning of the pandemic, and I was very grateful. Yeah. And so she has those comics, but those are like prized possessions. I still have my trade that's signed by Claremont, and uh, I golden. Well, it's kind of busted now because that's okay. Because like, like I, it's it's been like word. It's it's fun story. I when I like I was traveling with a theater company last summer, and I took it one one week with me, being like, hey, yeah. I haven't read Days of Future Past in like forever. And then, since we were performing, like, I got into my car and I, like, put my water bottle on top of it. Yeah. And then I had to drive to, like, the motel we were staying at or whatever, and it spilled water all over the front of the trade. Oh, yeah. Signature is still okay. I'm just never going to sell that because... Yeah, they're going to be like, what the fuck? Is, this is cringy, man. <laughs> but we should get to the Sentinels, I think. Yes. We should, like, talk about... Because on... A tangent yeah. Among Us stuck. The Sentinels. Among Us... Um, cause like they go on, he goes on TV to debate Trask and then <laughs> Trask just presses a remote and out from like behind the TV set walks like an army of sentinels. Yeah. They and, look like weird, especially with the colors. Yeah. They can I, like can I, children. I was reading, I read this black and white, so I need to see them with the colors. I should have like read this with color, but no, like... it's um. I think the looking at the ink is really cool, but yeah, they look like soulless zombie children. They look so like and and color wise, I know it's not even like the blues and purples that we would get from like later. No, sense. it's like Etrigan colors. It's like gold and red. Also, Jack Kirby created Etrigan. Oh hell yeah, Etrigan, my boy. We're gonna talk about Etrigan someday eventually. He's too in interesting of a character to not not to. But um also they speak so much. Like the Sentinels talk. Yeah, I didn't remember that either. Like usually like I think like yeah, Sentinels do talk sometimes, but like and like other Sentinels like develop more sentience, but like they are like straight up 
they feel more like people in exosuits rather than actual like mutant hunting robots. Yeah, for sure. And they proclaim them like we we are the Sentinels. Our brain is superior to your brain. Our strength is superior to your strength. I'm smarter than you. But then on the covers, they are the purple and red. Yeah, which doesn't make sense. That's I don't know. that's so weird. But I didn't realize like how much of like a rogue AI trope the Sentinels are at this point. Like I don't always associate them with like. HAL 9000 or other, like, rogue robots, robot rebellions and stuff. For and, sure. Because, like, I I always think of them just being controlled by the government or stuff. And yep, like, I imagine Washington, D.C. Yeah. yeah, they're, okay, so they're gold, blue, and red. Oh, they look like the Manhunters or from D.C. and Kinda, stuff. Yeah, like, I, I don't know, they just, they look like... Dudes. They look like dudes in like mascot suits or something. Yeah, like they, the sentinels. The heads know. are huge. Everything's on fire for a little bit. Yeah, that's the best part. I I think it's very interesting that like then Xavier just calls all the X Men to the studio and like Warren is at home on Long Island. <laughs> And he's just, like, having dinner. And yeah, then... there's, like, a candelabra and, like, this fancy tablecloth. And I'm like, who are these, you, like, you, milk toast Christians? You capitalist motherfucker. <laughs> um, there was, there was a point and earlier... And then there's a, there's a butler, too, obviously. Yeah, there's a point earlier where it's, like, where Warren and Bobby are talking, and he's like, oh, yeah, my wings didn't come in until when I was in military school. And so, like, we are looking at war. We are looking at two parents of a of a beautiful blonde boy who um, was sent to military school. Oh my god! So no, <laughs> like that's red flag territory. Yeah, and and so you also get like Cyclops is in a cab. Yeah, and he's there's like, a lot of Cyclops. Yeah, it's you, and you get like. I think, like, some of the panels that use movement really well are, like, when the Sentinels start to fight. For and sure. And you get, like, a big, like, a here comes a giant fist moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, weird, um, I don't know, like, not breaking outside the panels, but, like, really wicked, like, forced, um, forced perspective stuff. Yeah. Um, and it has my, like, I also dislike Cyclops. Yeah. Even though if you asked me in middle school, I would say he was one of my favorites. I think he's one of Harper's favorites. I think, so... Harper knows he's a douchebag. <laughs> uh, shout out, Harper. I met you once. Um, <laughs> you'll probably never listen to this. Um, but... but yeah, like, the yeah. panel where he's, like, gearing up, and it's, like, a triple of, like, his visor opening or yes. closing. And then he's, like, the voiceover of how it's, like building up inside him yeah. is like that's that's x-men for a lot of people i, I think i think early cyclops isn't like a scumbag yet i think we we haven't gotten to because early cyclops i think is like he's just a guy he's very milk toast like he doesn't have a character yet even if his later character traits are like s s cheating on his wife and things yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Scotty don't. Yeah, but um, well, Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. That's a good one. Scotty doesn't know that his wife Jean and Scott, Scott, Scotty doesn't know yet that um he is destined to be in a throuple with Jean and Logan, and that's Jeez. And that's how he is on Krakoa right now. That is essential X Men yeah. too. But um, 
But so we get another scene where like the Sentinels are like swarming the like the countryside yeah. and and you get Warren and Jean like on the top of a train and it's just like, oh, of course there has to be like a train top conflict. Yeah, you gotta have a set piece. Yeah. And so it's it's very much like it also seems like they're heavily setting up Jean and Warren here in this issue. And like I I haven't read further than this. Interesting. Okay. Yes, because like you get you more most of the issue like it's Gene and Warren together. Like yeah, I forgot about Warren entirely. But then like they're driving away and everyone thinks about that interaction, which is like really good writing. Like it's like not just Scott's perspective, which is kind of what I expected. Yeah. And it's like Gene is like, oh, I feel kind of complicated about this. And then there's like jealousy on Warren's part, and like they all walk away with, like, uncertainty. Yeah. And there's just as much attention on that as there is on these weird humanoids. Yeah. I I think it's very funny that, like... So they... The, at the first issue sort of concludes where they, like, take a car to, like, this big sentinel fortress in the countryside. And they're like, we can't find it. Yeah. And then it just rises out of the ground, which it's... Something about the way, like, Kirby and the school of, like, Kirby artists like yeah. draw like big walls of technology and fortresses is incredible this, like yeah this is why you need the color is because of these like neons on this big like, oh my god yeah type yeah panel. like um, like you get a lot of this in his fourth world stuff too like it's totally like even like the the, the use of dotted lines i really love yeah um, where like this is on a carpet Oh, oh no, it's a machine he's seeing through the floor. Right. And then this um this Ray's app, um, I, I just sent these all to you too. Um, yeah. but like where it's it's showing something like disappear or like disintegrate. Oh my god, yeah. Like it's um just a perplexingly like simple, like little tricks like that that really establish this as like a great action comic, I think. Yeah. Um and, like, I always bring up Jim Steranko. We love Jim Steranko. We love Jim Steranko here. But then there's, like, um, a set of, like, laser beams coming around. Um, yeah. This head, like, it's like a halo or, like, a corona, like, a religious-looking yeah. thing. Like, just ridiculous uses of, like, single color, like, this highlight. Ooh, The yellow yeah. highlight yeah. on, like, like, just line work. I think we do need to talk about that panel specifically you showed me. Because there was a moment where... <laughs> Yeah, um, where Xavier astral projects. And, like, yeah. like, that is... These early X-Men issues, like, you get a lot of, like, weird powers that never come back. Like, right. you and get Xavier... You get Xavier astral projecting. Um, you get... Beast is also just a guy in a suit. Yeah, this is... Well, this is early Beast. This is my favorite, like, Beast look. Because I don't like... I Blue Fur Beast is cool, but we have a lot of, like blue furry guys for sure and i think like name all the blue furry guys nightcrawler oh um you're right logan if he were blue (laughs) (laughs) um but then you could also get this panel these panels where like they try to break into the fortress by like bobby makes like an ice glider that scott just shoots with his eye beams and flies into like it's they're they're a messy team. It like they are not the yeah early X Men messy team. Like they do they have not like really meshed together well yet. And like 
Because they're kids, they're teens. And but at least there's only like four or five of them at this yeah, point, which is really like easy. Like it is easy to get into retro comics with retro X-Men and obviously like retro Spider-Man. Yeah. Because um, that's like, you look in a dictionary for like comic book, like 60s comic and it's just, this is like, it's what you hear about kids. Yeah. And so we get, we get like the big reveal of the plan of the Sentinels at this point. They have rebelled against Trask and they've like, they've got the master mold who is this like big, bigger, more eviler Sentinel. And their goal is like, we were designed to protect humanity from all danger. And now we will do that by enslaving humanity. And it's like, it's less of like a rogue game. I, I'm more of like the, like the safety bots. In terms of, like, we are going to make the world safe by subjugating humanity. And it's like... It always works. And and you get... You get... You get Trask being like, No! I... Why is this... Why is this happening? You're supposed to listen to me! (laughs) You gotta, like... Yeah, you gotta command control in the space of all these teens. Yeah. And... And... Hold on. I just turned to a... A part of the... A panel where, like, the Sentinels are, like, shooting big guns, but they're, like, groaning like human beings. Like, they're going, oh, oh, ah. <laughs> like, they're getting hurt. Yeah, backwards. Yeah. Also, what is up with the nut with the classification systems of the Sentinels here? Because you got some with one just has like a big T on his chest, others have like numbers. Yeah, some of them are like they have a little bit more like nuts and bolts going yeah. on. And then like just a big blank chest plate. Yeah. But none of them are purple. Yeah. And so you get you get Trask who like they capture Beast. And this is where, like, they put him under a psychoprobe, which, right. like, makes him reveal everything about his history, which is very, like, an interesting sort of thing. Like, he is, he develops his mutation kind of like an, an early t- teens. Yeah. And, like, it's just, like, enhanced physiology and acrobatics and, like, the big feet. And, For sure. And you get yeah, a really... There's always a bar to hang yeah. on. You get a really good panel of like him like bat flipping over a car, which I think is incredible. I hate shit. And then yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> again, we get Iceman in another big cube, like a gla- <laughs> like they, they get captured and like they're either Iceman imprisoned in some sort of a glass cubicle. Even though, like, earlier in the issue, there's, like, a great joke where, like, he bursts out of a cube of ice because he's surprised. Yeah. And so we get the reveal that, like, he, Beast uses his mutations to, like, succeed at athletics. And we don't, we don't get Beast the genius yet. Hank McCoy is basically just, like, a himbo. Yeah, he's just Hank. He's not, like, the superior intellect. He's just, like, a very acrobatic dude who, like, uh, again, he hangs on bars a lot. <laughs> Donatello does machines. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I like this. Um, there's a there's a panel here of Xavier, like, reading a newspaper headline about... On page Beast. 16. Yeah, page issue... 15. Nice. And so, like, and I will read this headline to you. Beast, in quotation marks, flees football field, refuses to answer newsmen's questions about his alleged powers... And I just, very fun. Like, yeah, like you have to, again, you got to introduce every character. Yeah, like I, 
So I don't know, like, because I haven't gone back and read, like, the in-between issues of what I've been covering. So I don't know if, like, other characters, like, got this. I know the, jugger sure. the Juggernaut stuff, which we haven't recorded yet, gives, like, an origin to Xavier. But, like, this is, like, I first the first time we get, like, Hank backstory. And Wolverine doesn't exist at this point, Wolver like, in comics. No, Wolverine doesn't come in. Because, like, Hulk probably would have been in, like, the early, like, hundreds. Yeah, 60s. seven, yeah. Wolverine comes in 74, I think? I don't know. Jesus. My, these are my hyperfixations. I know dates, but I don't know all the dates. You're good. It's um, crazy that, like, that's what people consider X-Men, is, like, Wolverine. Like, the giant, because, like, the giant size stuff doesn't like debut until 75 so yeah because you don't get and that's like reintroducing like all of these yeah like, it's kids that we have right now yeah it's, like the 80s classic x-men the, the deal is like the 70s team gets sent to like rescue the original x-men and like that's storm nightcrawler colossus wolverine sunfire banshee Kitty Pride. No, not Kitty no. Pride. Kitty Pride comes in like late seventies, early eighties. Like okay, she's for the for the kids. Right, right, like right around like Dark Phoenix Saga. I if think you're a hater for Kitty Pride, fuck yourself. Kitty Pride is the best fucking mutant in the entire stable of X Men. She is incredible. She is my one of my favorite like characters in comics. Period. And I can't wait to, like, get to the kitty stuff because I've got so much to say. And if you hate on Jubilee, fuck you also. Jubilee rules. Like, I get it. Jubilee like, rules. <laughs> I, think, I think Jubilee rules, but, but so, like, I, you get, yeah, none of that is here. Like, right. you get these first five, the first class. Like, also, I was talking to somebody about this a couple of days ago. It's so weird that, like, the first class in X-Men First Class is not this first class. Right, it would have been so much easier, probably. Yeah, but it, but it was, like, Mystique and Havoc and Beast. Beast is there, weird. like, and, but also Darwin, which, like, oh, I've, yeah. I've read comics with Darwin and he's cool, but, like, they just do him so dirty in First yeah. Class. He goes out pretty quickly, yeah. too. Also, well, yeah, and... When you get sniped by Kevin Bacon at the end of the first act. Oh. Uh, <laughs> or whatever happens. Will he swallow, like, a laser beam? Like, Kevin Bacon, like, throws energy at him, and he sort yeah. of just, like, hardens his body, but then crumbles to From dust. the inside, yeah. Brutal. Oh, my God. That movie is 11 years old. Oh, my God. I was... Oh, my God. How old? You were nine? I was 12. Okay. Yeah. Oh my god. And now I'm... Or wait, yeah, yeah. you're not a 2000. Yeah. You're... 1999, baby. Oh, yeah. God, okay, you're only so one year. I'm Jesus. a 90s kid, technically. Technically. But so, the last issue sort of becomes, like, the final confrontation. Yep. And I think it's so funny that Xavier is outside of the fortress this entire time. Like, his students have been captured, and he's just, like, he gets knocked out of his wheelchair, and he's, like, crawling towards a road, and he sees a car, and he's, like, he psychically hitchhikes, basically. Yeah, yeah, like the, what is it, the cosmic treadmill in The Flash? <laughs> oh my god, I yeah. know you love the cosmic treadmill. I, cosmic treadmill is one of those stupid concepts that is just so fun. Yeah. I, 
and, use it for every story yeah, if and, you can. And you get the X-Men here trapped in kind of like a perpetual motion machine. Totally. Of, like being turned by sentinels, like cranking the base of it. And it's it's inventive. It's fun. It's that's what that's it's a lot of like sixties fun with these Yeah. Kind of, like, and you feel like you can just pick it up and just go at yeah. like pretty much any issue, honestly. And like the the sacrifice that is like the center of like the supreme sacrifice in the last issue. Yep. It's not any of the X-Men, even though it seems like it would be, it's Trask. Right. And you sort of get like a tragedy of Bolivar Trask here. Like also what Yeah, good job. Kind of. Uh like he was, he's just an idiot scientist who hates mutants, but then he's like but he's also a genius. Yeah, and a, and a, so. and a coward is the thing. Like the minute his creations turn on him, he's like, "This wasn't what I wanted." One part's clever and three parts coward. Ninety, one percent evil, ninety nine percent hot gas. A hundred percent reason to remember the trash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but so. And yeah, so Trask is basically, like, the fortress explodes, and Trask, Trask comes in, he's like, I'm going to detonate everything. And then it explodes, and he's trapped under the rubble, and he dies. Which is, like, the first major death in the X-Men, I think? Is the evil genius who creates the Sentinels? Sometimes villains dying is, like, important, though. Yeah. Like, Green Goblin dies in, like, what, Spider-Man, like... I feel like he dies in the around the forties or fifties at least Maybe. once before he kills Gwen Stacy. Yeah, but I I don't remember. I don't remember. Or, or wait, no, because he does. Spider Man kill him after he kills Gwen. I maybe that's one twenty two. I haven't read enough early Spider Man. Right. <sighs> I've my my actual comic book reading resume does list <laughs> Spider Man one through like two hundred. I. I gotta go, like, it's, I think the biggest, like, takeaway of the, of doing this month of old comics is I need to go back and read more old stuff. Like, totally. I think the, er the earliest thing that we've covered, this is, these are now the earliest comics that we've covered on this podcast. Before then, it was, like, 80s. And you is, could go back to, like, old Batman or, like, just a meme on old Captain America. Hey. Do an episode on, like, patriotic comics and how they've aged. Well, I, I, the audience will have listened to it by now, but we, we did, and we will be releasing an episode about, like, theme, like, this weird subgenre of, like, in-universe restaurants themed around the superheroes. So, like, it's like that Planet Krypton thing from Kingdom Come. Yep. And, <laughs> um... And uh, the Bat Burger from Tom King's Batman run. So like that's pretty decent. So like that, I want to do more like niche topics like that. Totally. And Last podcast had their like serial killer uh, baseball, softball, kickball. Good episode. I want to. I've been cooking around with this idea of like because I when I was reading like the Fraction Aja Hawkeye. Yeah. Like at the end of like the trade, I had uh, David Aja has like a list of like songs you should listen to like while reading each That's of these really issues sweet. and i want to do a thing where like i me and a guest like curate playlists for some of our favorite yeah comedy. like that. that'd be sick uh king gizzard and the lizard wizard always for x-men uh yeah um it's a 
Final thoughts, it's fun. It is it is a ton of fun. It's Yeah, it's not so serious. Like they they try to make the most of it, but like it's it's still casual enough for like a key and like it's kind of goofy and like it's different than like because normally you say not your grandpa's X-Men, but like it is literally your grandpa's X-Men. Literally at this point. Like... And that's what's so nice about it. It's kind of refreshing to not be like anything more than just like this this kid's book yeah you know? like it's it's the the easy breezy life absolutely um and i think that's a great place to end it because i thought i heard somebody <laughs> trying to enter this storage unit that wow. we're in can, um, I, um, can i read the scott summers power up yes um okay I have yes. a sound effect yes um let me uh okay so be me be scott summers yeah where I was somewhere in this type of, um, somewhere in here. Slowly, calmly, Cyclops estimates the amount of power blast energy he'll need. Then, as his eyes begin to close, his visor starts to rise. Higher and higher goes the visor until it is completely open. But still, the most dangerous eyes in all the world remain tightly shut. As those, as the youthful mutant stands perfectly motionless, and then, with the force of a lightning bolt, his eyelids snap open as a frantic cry escapes his lips. No! <laughs> well, thank you, Charlie, for joining me on this. <laughs> um, thank you for joining me on this episode. Um, this was wonderful. Um, we're gonna have you back later in the year to talk more Snyder Capullo Batman because nice. there is no one I would rather talk about that run with. Totally. Um, we could get into like Dark Knights. I was, I was, cause I, I have it on the schedule to either, I think Death of the Family is what I want to do next. I think like, cause like I have it scheduled right now for end of September. We could do a Death of the Family uh, fan cast, except it feels like we're pretty much there. We're going to get life. it with, with Barry. Barry yeah. Keegan. Uh, how good was the Batman? I give it um, I give it a strong 8.5 as a cinema snob. I think it's like an 8.59 out of 10 for me like it's really good when you give it a decimal and also an alternate number yeah. that's how you know you're like genuinely torn the yeah first hour and a half 10 yes so like that's all that matters yes hey take it easy sweetheart penguin 10 out of 10 penguin yeah um, all day, like literally everyone 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 performances yes sir 10 um, out of 10 nightclubs <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right 10 out of 10 fake drugs yeah Drop. Drop. Yeah, those drop heads. Ten out of ten good time reference. Legalized drop. No. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, goodbye everybody. And remember, you have to be a really bad parent to name your child Bolivar. <laughs> Excelsior! <laughs>
Recommended Reading with Jackson Heyman's theme music was written by Charlotte Rosenthal. Recommended Reading with Jackson Heyman is produced by Mythonomica Productions. Thank you for listening.